This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Come on, Josh. He's been terrific on the set shot today. He will force himself into chaos here as he plays on. He plays on. No! Wait on! It's his ninth! Here we go. Bruce! of an angle for 10 goals they call him Bruce Bruce the siren sounds and the Bulldogs fans that have stayed to see the Josh Bruce show as the Bulldogs have embarrassed North Melbourne we're obviously very satisfied with the outcome just understanding that the uh, the kangaroos are going to take some time but we'll we'll definitely 3-0 for us has, um, has been a while it's a good start to the year. Grizzly 17 and 18, you know, we were 1 and 10 after 11 games. We're three weeks in, you know. We understand there's a fair bit in front of us, but again, like, we're three weeks in. I know the, the result doesn't look great, but, you know, we have to really maintain that calmness about how we go about our business. The Good Friday Massacre provides the most graphic depiction of the road ahead for North Melbourne as the Bulldogs post their biggest ever win in a historic blitz. Luke Beveridge is our headline guest. He's usually very good from this range. He comes in. (laughs) Distance won't be a problem. It's coming back. He's got the journey and the accuracy. Taylor Walker reborn. And the kick goes out to Walker. He'll snap it with his left. He's kicked his third. Oh, he is red hot. He lines up from field. Oh, he loves it. Yeah. Flushed it again. I tell you what, 50 metres out as his one wood nears. Gun barrel straight has not missed a fairway. 35 metres out directly in front. He's put it through. And the Crows are back in front by three points. And the Texans kick six. He needs to be swabbed. Who is he? The renaissance of the big forward personified by Tex. Taylor Walker kicks another six and leads Adelaide to victory over the Suns. Four to the middle now to Robinson. Hand pass to Rich in the right hands. He hit the target in Bailey. And Bailey will kick on the siren to win the game. Holy Thursday goes to the final moment of the game. Zach Bailey directly in front. 45 out. A straight kick to win it. Bailey's put it on its way. after last week to go down by such a narrow margin and we played two really good sides in the last couple of weeks and uh, we had a young side out there tonight so uh, that'll go down in their folklore I reckon mate, very proud of our players. 
And the footy gods visit visit with the Brisbane Lions on the Easter weekends. How far-reaching could one kick prove to the fortunes of two teams? This is Crunch Time. There's nothing better in footy than the big forwards doing their thing, except when they kick ten, <laughs> and except when someone kicks one after the siren. <laughs> so the footy is thrilling. It is thrilling at the start of 2021, none of which will be any consolation to North Melbourne, although there was a macabre fascination with what built there. Jared Waitley with you on Crunch Time, but a sun-drenched MCG. What a picture this is. For Easter Saturday football as Richmond and the Sydney Swans meet. Justin Lepich. Good morning, Jared. Lepich, how good? How good is all of this? It's amazing. Well, not if you're a North Melbourne supporter, I guess, but for everything else, for just the footy purists, it's been terrific the first three rounds. We're seeing some terrific ball movement, the key forwards kicking goals. So, yeah, there's a lot to like. Gil McLaughlin said yesterday that we'd forgotten how good footy could be. We'd convinced ourselves that what was passing as footy was adequate, and it wasn't. And Nick Del Santo, now we're seeing the real stuff back. A very good morning to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, I'd like to apologise. That was me screaming in the background <laughs> of that game yesterday. And for what was a very difficult game to watch at times, you know, depending on which side of the fence you're on, but from a North Melbourne perspective, it was, and we'll dissect it and we need to, but the whole game, the whole focus became one man and kicking bags of goals. It was brilliant to watch. It was amazing to watch one man go about his business and execute like he did. I got carried away. I put my hand up. I was cheering and screaming and hands in the air. I wasn't alone. I was not alone. But you were not. It was a, a nice moment in football, which makes you love the game again. It makes you get excited about what you're seeing or what you're hearing. It is just infectious. I'm just loving what the game's dishing up. Andy Mark completes our foursome. There's a reason in the book why it lists 10 goal bags and winners after the siren. Yep, and as it should, and they should be recognised. And those who have done it hold a special place to get both happening in one round. Harkens back to, not that you get too many goals after sirens, but we used to get five, six, seven, eight, nines, and the occasional tens a bit more regularly than we did. You mentioned adequate, you know, quoting Gil. It wasn't even adequate, I don't think. What we were getting for the better part of the last decade wasn't adequate. I don't reckon it was footy. I reckon the game and the origins of the game and the way it was meant to be played was being um, dealt an injustice. And I can understand why, because coaches want to win and coaches want to control. And 75 interchange and the stand on the mark rule, it takes away a bit of the control. And I reckon they'll be emboldened by this. Those who want to recreate a sense of unpredictability and chaos and fatigue into footy, I think they'll be. I think they'll be emboldened. Yeah, no, I think that stand on the mark rule has probably been the one. I think we've, the AFL have tried with many rules over the years to, to fix up the congestion in the game, but that's just what enables the ground to become long. When you can mm. quickly move the ball from D50, that stand rules enable the ball to continue on and make the ground longer and have more space in it, which is what everyone wants. We sort of we've been trying to get to a situation where we create a heap of low number contests in the game, not a heap of high number contests, because they're the ones where it just looks like under 10's footy, doesn't it? Yeah. But just yeah. at the moment, the game is, yeah, it's 3v3s and little pockets of 4v4s. It's not 10v10s all over the ground. And we're lucky where we are. We sit in a reasonably lofty vantage point when we come to the footy to do this job. A lot of people like being down near the fence and I'd encourage you from uh, at least once early in the season, get up a bit mm. higher and see, you know, from, from early stages into the third quarter, how slowly defenders get back. They can't get back. 
they're, they're getting, game's for too quick. They're getting forced into one-on-ones. Now, Leopard, this is probably your area of expertise. That is the last thing you want as a defence, let alone a team defence, is to be isolated yep. in the defensive 50. And they're getting exposed, which we love to see. The other thing that I've noticed, I reckon, in the first three rounds is players are having fun again. You know, maybe outside of the Kangas yep, yesterday. But yep. you see the ball movement. It's exciting. It actually makes it a little bit more pure to go back to when you're a kid and you can kick chase and you can read the play and you know that one, two, three handball is going to end up with Adam Trelaw with the ball in his hand who breaks 15 kicks goals. I think I'm seeing more enjoyment from players because it's exciting and it's more fun when you're getting heaps of the footy. So, so all the things that made the Robert Harveys a standout and you know, go back to any generation, you like the guys who were just a bit fit. Bobby Skill, the guys who did the extras, the guys, Kevin Butt, the guys that worked harder and did the, and had the running coaches and the sprint coaches outside of the Tuesday, Thursday sessions that, you know, used to be the norm before the game was truly professional, the ones that set a high standard for themselves. They are the, they're getting it, they are taking advantage of this because they can run, they can drop, mm. they can drop a tagger or a minder. They can find the seams in, um, crinkling defences, defences that can't get zone set up the way you would have liked them to have set up Lepa as a coach. And, and I think they are, they are the beneficiaries to a degree and forwards because they can get one-on-one contests now. Uh, absolutely. It's just going to be interesting in the next few weeks which of the coaches starts to flinch, you know? Is it going to be David Noble? Look, it's great that we're playing an attacking style, but we're getting hurt so badly back the other way because we don't have the talent of the other, you know, fast-break teams, the other mm. slingshot teams. So there's going to be a certain coach that goes, this is just going too far. Is that it's, inevit- it's, it's inevitable well, that we'll, we'll see the bus well, being I think we saw a glimpse of that yesterday when the Kings were putting a number behind the football, and it was very early. I and mean, we covered the game, and we instantly noticed it became a game of keepings off, particularly in that first quarter where the Kangas had more of the football Marks, I think, were plus 20. Oh, yeah. oh, they yeah, were the controlling the game, but it yeah. was they weren't going anywhere with the football. Then before you know it, Cam Zerhar's behind the football. Then it's Polly. There was a hand. And watching it, you understand why you do that, to protect your defence. But when you're going up against a team like the Bulldogs, that means they've got a spare defender. They're licking their lips. They are so good with ball in hand on turnover. That spare man doesn't get used from the Kangas because he gets bypassed. So... That was a small sign to me yesterday, like, hey, yeah. this is getting out of hand real quick as a season, not yeah. just that particular game. We need to stem the bleeding right now. I thought Brisbane Thursday night as well were far more methodical than they were the previous two weeks as well with yep. the ball. Agreed. There was a point I, I didn't think the strategy would work, but then in the second half of the game, they did. They almost board Collingwood to death a little bit and got themselves back into the game. So the, the g- subtle game changes will happen as these weeks evolve. It doesn't all have to be speed. It just has to be moving. So mm. the ball is moving around the field and that movement creates possibilities and sometimes the possibilities are realised and sometimes they're not, but that's the game. Yeah. The problem for the past decade is the ball wouldn't move. Yeah. Mm. And we would have, I don't think Hutto would mind me, part. we would have conversations after Friday night games and sort of workshop, what do you call when there's nothing happening and there are 22 players around the footy, yep. what what words do you actually use? What you, do you describe? And we would spend far too long just don't even know what to say in these moments. When the ball moves, the calling is essentially tracking the movement of the ball and the ball is moving. It doesn't actually, for me, it doesn't matter whether it's pinging fast up and down. It just matters that it's moving. Mm. And when you get your screenshot now and instead of 36 players all push into one quarter, as Leper says, there's... There's three on three, and then the next lot, there's four on four, and there's not this mass constipation yep. of the game. Yep. And in the movement is where Aussie Rules lives, and that's what that's what had drained out and has been returned, and I salute those who have returned it. 
because it's not a one-year project. We're seeing the full impact now of 666. Mm. We're seeing the full impact of the kick-in, mm. um, which had been moved a couple of times to make it happen, and we're seeing the impact of the, the stand and the reduced interchange. So I'm not a silver bullet. It's all of this and all the background work had been done, and it was a matter of how, then how to implement it. I think across three years, it's nothing short of genius. Yeah. Because I didn't think the game could be restored the way it is right now. Do you think it's staying, Jared, from what we've seen? And yeah, knowing I that it'll so be a little I bit of recalibration? That, yeah, and the game will slow down as winter. But I think there will still be space. Because yeah. I don't think it's going to be possible to do what had been done for the past six or eight years. Yeah, and I spoke to Steve Hocking in the Hub last year and he was, we, I spoke a little bit about um, the state of the game and we spoke about the man on the mark and, and being the defensive coach at Richmond and, and the importance of what he does in the game, how he can actually manage four or five metres, but also the angle he has behind him. Um, and Steve sort of said, no, we've, we've got something ready to go okay. for that. So yeah. it was actually quite interesting. <laughs> Um, you know, his thoughts back then and just as defensive coach, you know, I was leaving the game, so I felt like I could just now give him everything that we that we had. But, um, but yeah, so he had this on his mind for a while, so it was a, a really good effort to implement it, and it's, and it's actually worked really well. So you, you talk about you, you're going to be interested with your coach's hat on to see how coaches adjust to this. The first two weeks of the year, we just kept a, It's a tiny metric, and it may mean something and it may mean nothing, but we've kept an eye on players that have played 100% of game time. And the first round, there were four players who played 100%. All defenders? Uh, yeah. yeah. At the end of round two, there were seven. All defenders but Ed Langdon. Ed Langdon played 100% of game time for Melbourne. So I wonder whether coaches are going to go, right, uh, 75, um, we're, running, uh, we're running out of gas. We can see our players getting fatigued, particularly the ones that have to do the bulk of the shuttle running, you know. I wonder whether we're going to get to a stage where coaches will go, I need to leave. My big three at either end of the ground, on the ground for 100% a yard. Tom Lynch, Jack Revolt, you need to play 100%, boys. Um, Dylan Grimes, David Asprey, Nick Flossen, you're playing. You, unless you're injured, you're not coming off today. Whoever they are, we use whatever names that are, that are appropriate. But I wonder whether we're going to get to, so they can save on six, seven, eight interchanges from the set, whether they work out what the number is they need so that their absolute gut runners can be running hard at the end of the game. And the fact Collingwood ran out of interchanges at the end in a gruelling finish. and, and yeah. So they would have to sit down strategically and go, okay, so where did we spend them? And when we needed to get fresh legs at the end and, and Brisbane get the, the late flow through the first four minutes. So Darcy Moore and Jordan Ruffhead, they've hardly come off the ground. In the first two weeks, and I, they they are in for a lot of footy. I that's, think that's pretty two. standard for keybacks, yeah, though, to, to yep. play 100. percent It's interesting because when you set up a game, you use rotations, and often you'll uh, ring maybe four or five players, and one of them's on the bench. So, and they come off when they're gassed. So, some teams do a rotation that isn't fixed because of the use of the runner. So, if the player will run it, so often it'll be like they've got to send them back because they're like we're getting too many rotations right. at that point in time. So. Yeah, a lot of teams that are running player-based rotation systems, they're the ones that might get themselves into trouble because they'll, they'll burn up more because the player's unaware. It's automatic. They don't know right. how many yeah. numbers yeah. they've, they've, yeah. they've well, burned on the bench. Well, Leppard, take us inside that conversation. So the easy argument would be, well, if the forwards are coming off the ground, why can't a defender? So if we're looking at Grimes, Vloston, Asprey, Asprey yep. why don't they have the opportunity to come off knowing that their opponents will at some stage? Why do you send them to the next most dangerous? 
So the, they usually be one and a half, the, the keys, the yep. big guys, um, and more so the forwards more than the backs. But as you said, uh, if you do ever have a rotation with a key back, uh, it would be you know Noah Bowl to come off with him. Um, that would be the, the instruction. So he'd be the only one that come on and off with that player. But all the rest would just run on a system. And it's mainly the halfbacks that get the, the extra rest, yeah. but the keys sort of just have to fight it out a little bit more. Mm. So footy is winning. That's the, the early takeout of the Easter weekend. North Melbourne is not. So how far back are they coming from? Where do they sit against, say, Melbourne and Carlton at the depths of the rebuild? Tex. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's three weeks running. It feels dependable. It feels sustainable. And the Brisbane Lions with the After the Siren winner. Our build-up to Luke Beveridge, our feature guest. You're listening to Crunch Time for the new Navara at Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan. Three games of the Easter weekend and certainly so much to talk about out of them. Luke Beveridge, the Western Bulldogs coach, coming up on Crunch Time. But for North Melbourne, uh, yesterday was savage. There's no way to dress up a 128-point loss other than to call for calm, which was David Noble's ploy at the post-match press conference. Justin Lepich, you've lived this. Yes. How, how gruesome are those afternoons? Oh, the ones where you lose by sort of more than 10 goals, um, and, and obviously this is double that, so it, it's, it's, they're the alarm bell ones because obviously a combination of effort, intent, and maybe system can be a bit of an issue. But I think walking away from it, you've got to only focus on one or two things if you're in North Melbourne. And looking through, and sometimes the numbers are good because they can just point you in a couple of directions as the okay, okay, where, where are the biggest problems going to be? I think one they can fix next week, and it takes no time at all to send a square bounce. You know, they got completely decimated out of there, five goals, five to two points. They've got a pretty good center square bounce crew. I think Goldstein's a good player. Cunnington will get fitter. Um, Simpkin, I know Anderson, Simpkin. Yep. That, um, you can even put Zeebel in there if you really want to fix it a, a, a more. But that part of the game, they can fix straight away with a little bit of attitude and a little bit of um, change of direction. But the, the big one is probably the mid-turnover, and it's one I bang on a little bit. 13 goals to one, uh, you know, the mistakes coming out, you can maybe help the defenders a little bit by playing a more conservative game. So we're going to hate that. And Andy, you're going to bash me for saying yeah, that. Yeah. But one of the levers coaches can do with the ball is put it closer. As we know, you turn the ball over in the middle, you're more likely to get scored against for a goal. You turn the ball over near the boundary, they've got to come back through your whole defence. Mm. So there are two things you can pull. And I know David Noble wants to play the fast footy and exciting footy. So that'd be the one he'll be toying with. When do I pull the lever on that or do I just keep going and give the boys confidence and eventually they'll get there? I'll talk about this and then I want you to jump in because this is your area. My biggest concern out of yesterday, and clearly when you lose by 128 points, there's a lot that goes wrong. But it starts with effort. And Andy, you asked me before the game, what are you expecting from the Kangas today? I said, I want to see better effort. Now, what does that look like? It's talking about pressure. We know that the dogs are going to overpossess the football. They're going to have 400 t- touches. It gives you an opportunity to pressure we walked away from the game last night, and I said to you multiple, multiple times during the call, the effort's not great. And it's from the leaders. It's the older players that need to be held more accountable. It's why you're in a leadership role. It's the mid-tier players. So I look at David Noble and some of his comments off the back of last night. What chance does he have to put in a system, to put in a game plan, when you can't be guaranteed that the players are giving it all that they've got? 
that's your starting point. Minimum is you turn up and compete. If you don't give that, game plan and structures and all that basically go out the window. And they did yesterday. So my question to you, Lepra, off the back of that, how do you get the effort and make that a non-negotiable so David Noble can at least say, hey, guys, yep. I've got a plan that might actually get us to be competitive this week against whoever yep. they play? Yeah, one thing I agree with, with you there, Dale. Coaches can only do so much with what they've got. Yep. Yeah? So you need to have a good system in place that brings the players together. And then the effort has to be there to run the game plan, which is what the coach puts in place. I guess the couple of things I mentioned are a little bit more game plan and training orientated. But I think the effort... But they're right. But that's it, spot on. That's centre square bounce stuff. starts with your leadership group. Mm. You know, because as kids, we look to our parents for guidance. As young players, North are looking to their leaders for guidance on effort and intensity and voice and communication and things on field that maybe we don't see. So it starts with them. So they can't give up, in so to, so to speak. They can't say... This is where it's dangerous to say it's going to be a long journey through a year. And I lived it and probably a mistake I made. The minute you say those words, your older players can go, oh, great. I'm, 20, yeah. I'm 29. Yep. Oh, this is going to be good. Yeah. And the minute they think like that, it, it can start to fall away. The leader's effort can start to fall away. So they're just going to be careful with their messaging as well around that. Sometimes I feel I would have wish I'd had my time again going back to, no, we're here to win this week. And then we're here to win next week. Doesn't matter what team we're putting out. You don't worry about that. We're here to win every game. And I think sometimes that's a better way to go about it from the top yep. as opposed to just saying, let's rebuild. The other bit that starts to drip feed in, and I've lived this as well, is self-preservation. Uh, yep. That you, you make sure that your numbers look okay. So in that first quarter, they're chipping the ball around. And I thought Jack Zeeble competed. Oh, that's one thing about Jack Zeeble. You know he'll have a crack. He'll make some mistakes. He so his yeah. numbers look all right. So let's maybe take him out of this conversation. But when you start to get the ball 25 times, you can sit there on a Monday morning in review and go, well, it wasn't really me, coach. My numbers are pretty good. Like, I know we got thumped and, you know, we're all under the pump a little bit, but I'm okay. That actually takes away from the team. That takes away from what Lep is speaking about, about non-negotiable effort and actually getting some things right for the younger group because you're spot on. Yep. When you're under pressure, you need some support, and the support is the older guys that have been there and done that before. Players invest in something on a footy field, and the good teams, the good players that are playing for the big prize at the end of the year tend to invest in the team a bit more because they know there's a prize mm. to invest in the team. When you don't have that, your only prize, as you mentioned, Dale, is the investment in yourself. I won a best and fairest. I had 32. You know, I've got a bonus next year in my contract. Whatever it is, your focus is coming about you because it's like, well, the team's not even a focus for me because what am I going to achieve out of that? So it is hard when you're near the bottom because players do have that attitude at times. So this is the culmination of years' worth of bad decision-making. We're not rebuilding, we don't need to rebuild, or we are rebuilding, or we're scorched-earth rebuilding. So we've all lived this through Melbourne and Carlton and seen the just how grim some days can be, but also what the long-term toll of it is, is part of the problem is if you bring young players, young promising players into that environment, if that's going to be their reality for most of the year, uh, we've seen what the long-term consequences are of that. It curtails players' capacity to have the careers that they were going to have if they'd gone into a different system. So there are this sort of becomes a signature moment of... Okay, this is the accumulation of a lot. And the, the senior player discussion is a very real one. They were told very specifically, no, we're not rebuilding. And then suddenly they were rebuilding and some got to bail and some didn't. And oh, so I'm fearful of what three years holds for them. So they've appointed the new coach and said, we expect to be competing for the top four in three years' time. That's... I mean, that, that was such a silly thing to say. In my view, at the time, you can't con your supporters. That's and I think all it really exactly. does is that. Yeah. There's going to be three... I think the case study is this is going to be three grim 
years, mm. and that's only if it goes really well. That, I, that's look true. at Melbourne and look at Carlton and talk to me about three grim years. That, that's where I'm at with them. They, they, they haven't – you talk about the leadership group, you talk about all of that. They haven't got these blokes. There's not a core. Their, their leaders are either – they're tiptoeing very closely towards the end of their careers, um, given, the, uh, given how old they are and how long they've been in the game, or they're just not good enough. Mm. They're just not good enough. And that's okay to say that in footy. But this is that list that was dished up yesterday, and you look at what could come in and what's out, there's probably two that can... Luke McDonald can come in next week and probably trench him on. Good character, good AFL-level footballers. But it's not enough. No. It's not enough to reverse where they're at right now. They need to have, they need to have six absolute roll-gold jets out of his side that they can say, listen, we know where we're at. We're playing an undermanned side, but look at look at what's out, and we'll come back into the side in the next month. And when we get these players back, we're going to be okay. North hasn't got that. Mm. It's, it's just not there. And you talk about conning. The players know. Don't tell me Jack Zebel doesn't know. He likes them. They're his mates. But don't tell me he doesn't know what's around him. He looks around the rest of the league and he sees... He looks at the midfield of the Western Bulldogs yesterday and he looks at the blokes who didn't... Look at this kid called Jamara Hagen. Apparently he's pretty good. He didn't play yesterday. He's going to come in at some stage. He might be the best kid in the country. Yeah, and the you know, they haven't, North haven't got any of this. And the beauty about the good clubs, they're able to bring in the players when they're ready. So, so Jamara Hagen is, you know, timing his reign into AFL yeah. footy, whereas North have to play kids... Um, that they may not even see a future in. Um, they're just young players on the list. I, I know at times I debuted some kids. I thought, oh, he's not going to be hit Brisbane for a long period of time. Um, but the list wasn't good enough to, you know, he, he got a game. And it really depends on sometimes your list and your availability on who you actually play on the week. And, and they really don't have... They've still got a year or two to bottom out, I think, completely bottom out, mm. and then start their rise. Because one thing you've got to be really strong of in the background uh, out of, of a footy club, the North Coast, to go, okay, are we... Are we bottom now, or we still got another year or two to bottom out? And it's funny, David Noble mentioned the 17, 18 lines. Well, if you get the year before, I was, I probably hit the rock bottom the last year, and then I think, uh, you know, Fagan took over another year of the bottom. You know, they, yeah, they were bottom the started, next year, yeah, and yeah. then as the slow climb started coming, so I probably got the, the bottom three years, and I'm worried is Dave, David going to three years going to be the bottom three, and right, then they start yeah. to rise, or is it just a quick blip and, and that's enough talent they'll they'll, they'll jump again, but. The worry is, is it, does it need two or three years at the bottom of this list um, to start to rise again, like the time I had in Brisbane? From a player's perspective, what I would love to see, and we won't be privy to this and we won't be able to say whether it's accurate or not, but what I would love to know is if the players are given some really simple focuses for this game next week against the Crows. They're going to have all this information, and you're spot on, Andy. Don't ever think that the players don't know and that they're not understanding about the AFL landscape and where they sit in, in that landscape. They know that they are at the bottom. They know that their performance yesterday was horrific, and it was. But the risk is that the coaching staff, and I'm hoping they're not doing this, have got all this information that they've got, champion data and vision from every angle. Players can't take all that in, particularly in one week off the back of a poor performance. Self-preservation's there. I've got to make sure my backyard's clean. How do we get back on the right path? Two to three dot points. Guys, you got the Crows this week. This is all we're focusing on. Now, it may not result in a win again, but it may look better, and hopefully it looks better than what we saw yesterday. And what of Good Friday? So, so North Melbourne planted their flag and with a sense of indignation said, this is our day. We've, we've pioneered it. We deserve it. It belongs to us. They certainly embraced the spirit of the day. 
is the club does a great job to make sure the kick for the kids has a greater meaning. Yep. They drew a good crowd. Yep. 28,483 out drew Thursday night on short notice. But their performance, how heavily does their performance and their trajectory um, sit against whether they remain the custodians of it? Won't affect their hold on it next year, I don't think. A year's a long time. And you've got a whole off-season between yesterday and um, round three next year or whatever round it happens to fall on next year. So I think, I think they deserve to... I was adamant during the week, it's theirs, let them have it. Let them have it. It's theirs. And if, if they keep get if, if the next five of them happen to be 120-point hidings to North Melbourne but 30,000 people keep turning up, well, you yeah, know. It really depends on whose perspective. I think as players and coaches, you probably don't want the game because, you know, when you're in that build phase, you don't want to be on Broadway and showing everyone this sort of stuff as well. You want to be playing the Sunday 3 o'clock as at times just yeah, to... The, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah, but you know how the front under office the radar. Front under office the radar isn't saying that, Lepper. They're yeah. not saying that. I mean, they, they... Yesterday, I don't know what the TV... And I haven't looked at the TV numbers yet, but I imagine that thing would have rated pretty well yesterday. So that that's... Look, yeah. the front office and the footy department yeah. see things very differently. Are you getting a feeling that AFL House is speaking about this or is this more external that we're it's, looking at them going... It, that, it's, does who's the talking game, about it? Does the game carry the occasion? And it's asked in hindsight. That, so that's the, the question. I think the way it fitted into Good Friday, tick, crowd, tick, performance doesn't disqualify no. you next time around. But that performance doesn't have you deserving to be in the Australian Football League. And they are. So they've got to, they've got to sit somewhere. All right. Luke Beveridge is going to join us next, the Bulldog side of the equation. You're listening to Crunch Time. Thanks to the Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. Test drive the new Nissan Navara today. And also for Red Rooster, seize the cheese. Try the new triple cheeseburger today. Limited time. So get in fast. The Rooster's calling. Reflections on what happened yesterday at Marvel on Good Friday. It was, it was an astounding performance from the Bulldogs. It was, uh, it was quite electrifying. It, it sort of sat with the question of, um, what was I think there was a lot in it for the Bulldogs, oh, yeah. and I imagine it was there was a degree of awkwardness in the press conference in the aftermath. The coach Luke Beveridge is with us. Luke, great to have you on Crunch Time. Hi, Jared. Hi, guys. So I watched your press conference. Did you feel just a fraction awkward in the aftermath of it all? I did. Yeah, I wasn't sure how to approach it. To be honest, I uh, I mentioned you know later on you know the, the footy purist in the um, was concerned about the fallout in the Kangaroos camp. Um, as Lepper, I've just been listening as Lepper mentioned, you know, some of those times when things don't go right because the nature of what we do is so public. It's uh, it's a real challenge, especially for young players and uh, and even Nobes as a as a new coach. And so, you know, I was trying to tread the line uh, between making sure I didn't you know patronise the. The Kangas and 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 you know trying to establish some kind of humility with the with the victory, all the while being you know really impressed with the way our players went about it. Did, did you run it all through your mind how you would handle it if you were in the other coach's box? Uh, no, not really, not really. I think I can't remember um, what our most extreme defeat is. I think GWS beat us by seventy or eighty points. A couple of years ago, um, and during the might have just lost him, I reckon. Just get Ross to re-establish yeah, that. Him back on. That's interesting. God, there's a there's that, to have that thought. You know, the purest in me 
had there was a bit of my heart mm. over there bit wondering. Of empathy, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, you got to think also too, Bevo. Sort of after the premiership year, he copped a little bit too when they dropped just a little bit. Remember, and they just sort of sort of did not a mini rebuild themselves, but a little yeah. reshape. And now they look amazing with this new group that they've got. But, um, but yeah, he also took a dip where he took a few questions like this as well, as all coaches do. And we're just calling um, Luke Beveridge back to reset that because they're not they're not. And this is something maybe we'll have a chat to him when we're getting back on. But they're not trying to rediscover and recreate what they had in 2016, are they? That, that, we had a quick chat yep. about this yesterday. They're doing something. They're building something brand new here. Yeah. You had a number. There was only six players. Was Hutto, some, Hutto, yeah, Hutto had there was that only number, six yeah. players that were in that premiership side. Is that accurate? Yeah, so it, was, it was a small number. Mm. Yeah. I, I think what it also, also highlights is Luke Beveridge is acutely aware of how quickly he can turn. I mean, this is a thumping in regards to North Melbourne, but... Luke Beveridge is under pressure when they have a poor loss. So you know that feeling from the other side when people are going to start asking questions. I think that's a really good way to handle the situation last so night. Just tap back into it, Luke. You were just mid-thought on, on the, the worst loss you'd probably had was against the Giants and just what the ramifications of that can be. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, last year the, the clock ticked so quick with the shorter game time and and clubs, teams were able to shut games down with three or four goal margins, knowing that um, you know the 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 opportunity to win the game wasn't there. I think this year everyone is still trying to win it, but the lever that you can pull, you know, Brisbane did it well the other night against the Pies, and Fags put a number behind the ball when they got three goals down, and they they just arrested momentum and kept themselves in it. Um, so the, the longer game time is having having a bigger bigger effect going back to, you know, pre-2020 status. But I, and I also think um, the, the pressure from the broadcasters in the AFL to play a certain brand has never been so heavy. Uh, and with the moving fixture and the, the opportunity to get primetime slots with an attractive brand, um, you know, our administration and our operations, you know, share that, that common, um, common want to do that. Um, but I, I think it's it's enticing teams to want to be the team that scores, and it, it's helping the game. There's a bit there, I reckon. Just just one last one, Luke. It's Andy. Congratulations on the win. You mentioned Andy. you mentioned you know the, the sense of sort of empathy you had for what was happening in the other mob, but you, on the other side of that, and at exactly the same time, I imagine you want your team to be ruthless and. When you got a team down, you know, drive it right to the end and 10 goals in the last quarter, 25 for the game, 130-point margin. There was no let-up from your blokes yesterday. And they and they seemed to delight in it. You know, a couple of them got in the face of a couple of Kangas late. Uh, is that what you – do you, you, want to, you want to see that from your, from your boys, don't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've, we've been through – if you think back to what we've been through with our integrity being questioned, being roughed up, couple of years ago and then having to fight back for that from that new captain in Marcus having to stand up for ourselves and, and being on this journey to be a team that is, is a bit more combative more competitive more physical um, play a brand that will stand up ultimately if we if you end up making the finals um, so in these situations I mean the players have had you know numerous coaches from under nine through to senior footy talk about being ruthless it's, it's a word I don't use too often but what you want is your players starting to use that sort of vernacular and, and coaxing each other onto making sure that they dot, they dot their eyes and cross their T's, even if they're up by a, a hefty margin. And, and, you know, I didn't...
<laughs> We're not having much luck there. Hanging up on us. He just when he's about to ha- lay, the, lay down the hammer below too. Oh, we're all hanging on what was about to come next. That's a good way to finish an interview, isn't it? I should have thought about that one years ago. <laughs> you got under, under oh, the sorry, pump. Boy, the line, sorry, guys. The line dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> Go through the elevator right now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're just going to re-establish that. Um, so the the it's interesting. Luke doesn't use the word ruthless, but the players sort of absorb it and almost demand it of each other. Oh, I think when you see good teams become great, that's what they start to do. Um, is they really you know hand the nail home. And I remember so my one of my last years at Brisbane, the boys we played Crows over there at Footy Park, and that's what they were saying: let's win it by 120, let's smash them, let's yeah, right. you know. And that's what that that team was becoming. Um, under Don Pike, and that's sort of the, the attitude he wanted to bring into them. So, I think I think that is the last little the last little step for all the great teams. They really want to drive home everything and send messages to the competition. We got you back there, Luke. Yeah, jeez. Um, <laughs> sure, what's happening here? So you're not paying, blame the telco. Telco. You're not paying your bills, Pepper. <laughs> blame the telco. <laughs> I think this is a problem. I, I'm a bit close to. There's no. Uh, I'm just looking out over Port Phillip Bay at the moment. There's no, I can't see any phone towers out there, unfortunately. Leper and Dal. Yeah, Bevo, Leper, how you going, mate? Good win uh, the other night. <laughs> um, everyone's going to talk about your midfield mix. Obviously, it's quite thick now, and um, a lot of players to roll through your forward half uh, and half forward areas and, and midfield. But Easton Wood, he's the one, I guess, with your defensive party of ground. It's obviously a very important time in big games to have good defenders, but just his influence with 11 uh, intercept possessions as well the other night and just how his uh, influence is on the team. Yeah, he's an important player for us, Leper. We wanted him to spend another full game playing uh, at VFL level just in the practice matches. Purely, you know, he's been a soft tissue um, athlete who's been a bit prone. Uh, he's been a bit prone to soft tissue injury over his journey, as you know. And, and so, yeah, going back to the longer game format and, um, and you know, really, it's, it's, it's so difficult if you lose a player, even though you've got a sub there, um, you, you still don't want to move, lose a key player who's, who's going to play such a critical role. So he's able to do that. <laughs> no, we might we might concede defeat today. <laughs> oh, no. No, he's still there. You got gotcha. you. No, we got you back. Yeah. As, an, as an assistant coach or a senior coach, um, I've never seen a team pick because of their resources at the moment and their availability that really only had four talls, you know, so they were severely compromised and it did allow us to control the airways a little bit. Bevo, we've used the word ruthless and I can only assume in the coach's box, it's really difficult to relax. At any stage, particularly in that last quarter, were you able to get the emotion and the feel of what Josh Bruce was doing and trying to get to that double figure? Yeah, we did. I mean, in the end, I, every team who whoever in the history of the game, I mean, even when the grateful forwards were kicking, um, you know, their, their double figures regularly, you can fall in the trap of, uh, of going to them too often. But um, yeah, the, the directive and the, um, and the incentive was there to, to make sure we tried to feed Josh to, to get in there. The boys cleared out a little bit for him and, and he won that 1v2 to, to get into his 10th, which was yeah, outstanding. And I, I, mean, I just was just so pleased for him because he did provide a good contest and he worked as hard as he could last year under trying circumstances. And it just 
you know, he's smelling the roses this morning. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> so what of the return of the big forward, Luke, and how you're observing the game? So uh, Josh has kicked as many goals as he did last year already. Uh, Taylor Walker has passed his overall tally. Is what, what are you seeing in the game right now that we're all, we're all delighting in, to be frank? Yeah, well, I think you can do one of two things. You can just look at the data and you look at the outcome and say, OK, the, the key forwards are, um, are kicking high scores. But if you notice, and even with Tex yesterday, you know, we're just we're looking at, you know, his long set shots. And you, how, how good is this guy from long range? But let's just think about how he got the footy and even how Brucey and, and Norts, Tim at times, got the footy. The, the biggest change with the, the man on the mark and some of the flow is that some of the defensive systems of teams are just falling down because they're they're very back shoulder, and a lot of these goals are being kicked on hit ups where historically it was very difficult to find because the the guy had to kick over the man on the mark. So I don't know if teams are going to make the adjustments with their systems, but if you're very back shoulder, you become very vulnerable to these sorts of uh, plays. I mean, you've got a guy like Tex, um, and and Bruce he's actually been pretty good from long range in recent times then, uh, yeah, then it all points towards some bigger totals from the key forwards. Look, has Adam Trelaw found his place now in your team? Has he, has he settled in amongst that, you know, that gilt-edged kind of midfield brigade you've got? Well, yeah, it's been a progressive approach to it. He had a little bit of an interrupted uh, start to the season. And, you know, if he wasn't such a seasoned player and he didn't have the, uh, the cross-training work that he put in, then he, we may not have picked him for round one. Uh, and we, put, we used him in as far as his role. He played more on a wing and a little bit forward in round one. Then last week, he, he mixed his time wing inside and forward. And then yesterday, he was largely inside with just a, a fraction forward. So um, that's where we see him playing. And from time to time, you know, he might, he might play elsewhere. Uh, but it, it's mostly as an inside mid. And, and I suppose that's the thing, you know, we're fortunate now to have a lot of depth there and those lads complementing each other is, is a week-to-week um, challenge. But if teams, as North Melbourne did yesterday, want to sit on Marcus, then, um, you know, we, we can sort of manipulate that and still get an advantage from the rest of the crew who can, uh, who can get it done. It's a nice position to be in, Bevo. The, the man that went down early was Ryan Gardner in the first minute or so. What's the update on him? How severe is that injury? Yeah, Dell, it's the same injury as Hayden Crows. is the really high-grade AC joint injury. He'll go into surgery as quickly as possible, Chris Bell tells me yesterday. Uh, so he'll be out for, I think it's about, you know, six to eight weeks. Um, the good thing about these, you can sort of run after about a week. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of friendly fire. Keep he, um, you know, put his body on the line. And guards is a really, you know, he's a developing key defender. So it's a shame he's gone out of our side we'll need to find we'll need to find someone next week to play on uh, Danaher and Hipwood so uh, Louis Young's in the frame and Zane Cordy Buku Karmas is coming on so we'll yeah and that's been a while for, for someone like Louis Young uh, but it's exciting to see what he might do if he, if he gets the, the nod and the decision to drop Mitch Wallace Luke does it carry extra um, magnitude to make when, when he is the newly installed vice captain yeah, I'd be lying if I said it didn't, Jared. It's um, and but ultimately, you know, I'm a servant of the club and the and the team and a um, and the and the driver of performance. And ultimately, you, you just got to make the hard call if you 
if, and, and I, from the integrity of the match committee too, if a player is really down for for too long, then you've got to give someone another someone else an opportunity. And Mitch took it pretty well, and he uh, we're playing two rucks now, and and having Norts available more often with, with Brucey, it means that you know Mitch's role is is not redundant, but um, it's been a bit of a key forward type role as a medium. And uh, and he'll just need to make a few adjustments to his game, and I'm sure he'll come back in at some point. But um, as I said, he took it well. I won't say it wasn't a tough conversation to have, yeah. but it's all, it always is. Luke, great insights from you, as always, on Crunch Time. Thanks for your time. Enjoy Easter. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, guys. Good on you, Luke Beveridge, the Bulldogs coach with us there. Yes, they look good, don't they? They're, they're handball games flying. They're, um, geez, they're, they're sharp. They've got a really thick midfield group. They're... Um, yeah, they're, they're, I think they might be the big, the big mm. ones. It'd be a fun team ball. to play for the Western Bulldogs. Nice we touched on this coach yes. at the moment too, wouldn't it? Oh. Like, if, if they want to sit on markets, well, they can have a little, like a little dose of amateur law. McRae, Dunkley, Libba. Yeah. Yeah. Hunter's the one. He's sort Chalor. of a half forward now. He hasn't really been used in the roles he Just, has been. So they, they could even unleash him if something goes It's the options if so. you need to. They've been great wins at the start of the season. You are listening to Crunch Time. Richmond and the Sydney Swans to do battle. The Swans are on the rise. The Tigers are the benchmark. It promises much. It doesn't give us Dusty versus Buddy. Lance Franklin has stayed at home in Sydney, but it gives us a lot of the other threads. Jared Waitley, Andy Marr, Nick Del Santo, Justin Lepich with you for Crunch Time. We've just had a really interesting conversation with Luke Beveridge, which breaks on a few different fronts. Lepa, that what he identified as the... Uh, as the directive and the incentive to play in a certain way from the AFL, from your club's administration, whether you're capable of it or not. is Do you have some sort of affinity in that conversation? Do you have some experience um, there? Yeah, for sure. I know um, definitely my last year at Brisbane was a big directive from the AFL to play more attacking brand. I, maybe they hadn't worked out the rules yet to make the game more attacking, so they more just implored the coaches to. And I know... Um, definitely from our club, that's the way they wanted to play. So it can have a, an influence um, if some people above you want to sort of shape the game a certain way. But as I said before, it's hard when you are the young, young inexperienced team to almost in a boxing match just go out there and throw punches only. Um, it's, you're probably going to come off second base best on most occasions. And what are you looking forward to with the Bulldogs for their, for a test for them? There's obviously a test with um, Danaher and Hipwood, as the coach identified himself. What, what sort of team are you looking forward to seeing them against? Uh, High-pressure team. Uh, one, one thing the Doggies do, because they're such a high handball team, a short handball team as well, they don't get a lot of metres gained from their handball like the Tigers do, and we'll see that today. Um, they're very much a flick, 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 flick type. So uh, high-pressure teams, but at the moment, they're getting out with that third handball, um, whereas a good-pressure team is going to nail them on that first nail them at the second and probably the way GWS beat them in the past with that high pressure game um, that's going to be their one little challenge when the team comes and brings that can they move the ball efficiently forward let's spin out to the other two games um, so Adelaide winning Adelaide again so they're, they're two from three they've won both home games uh, if the Suns are going to progress that's the sort of win that they had to get I feel, and they were in front halfway through the final term. I do love what Adelaide are doing, though. Yeah. The can fortress I, is back. Can I just start with it? I don't, I don't know why. I'm starting to feel drawn to the Gold Coast Suns. Maybe it's I've watched Making Their Mark, and I I, I, feel, I wish I was Stewie Jew's mate. I like him. I think he just he presented he, – he, he got a great benefit out of that documentary. 
they can't they can't get a run at it. Lucky's actually playing a real role in determining their here and now. Um, Raul at the start of the year, the two knees last week, wits at a critical stage last night. They are three big, big injuries in the first three weeks of a season. Yeah, all key players, aren't they? They are really yeah. important. Buderick, he's a very important... Yeah. He's their give-it-to-him-and-let-him-go-to-work player out of the... That, that, and Bose has been terrific as well. He fit, looks like... They feel like, with a bit of luck, they might be ready to be there for longer than they have been in, in seasons prior. Yeah. I know what Jared's saying, though. We probably were thinking... The Giants, oh, Giants, the uh, Suns are on the way up and the Crows are on the oh, way down. Yeah, and last yeah. night kind of proved emotionally it's not that. But what you're saying, Andy, is the reality of it is that they've lost some really important it's... players. They still had the same amount of scoring shots as the Crows, so they were in the game. But yeah. we were just all like, come on, just win it. Like Because just from the bill that they've had, we just want them to go to a really hostile venue and just win one of those mm. tick-off games. Yep. They've never won there. No. Games. Never yeah. won there. No. I, you know, it's funny. I'm starting to feel like that about the Crows again. <laughs> and, it, and maybe it's because it's the underdog and you don't like to see teams on the bottom for too long. It wasn't that long ago they're competing in grand finals, so then you don't have that same affection towards them. But I love what the Crows are doing. And oh, yeah. No, no. T- fr- no I don't a, mean to take anything no, away no, from and, it. No, and I'm yeah. not, but I, I sort of feel like their journey is both the same. You sort of feel like you're invested. You're sort of growing with them because they've both done it hard for the last few years. But I must say, I love the way that the Crows performed last night. I love their brand of football. This kid, Ben Keys. Mm. Yeah. Uh, He's well, underrated. You know, well, you know him. Yeah, I coached him. Yeah. Tell me a little well, bit more. I'm watching. I'm looking at his funky haircut, and I'm watching his enthusiasm, <laughs> his intensity. In, best hair in the game. No, Chris <laughs> Scott's the got game. the best hair in no, the game. No, no, not according to our esteemed. I don't know him at all, but I feel today. like I'm falling in love with this guy. He's not the prettiest player by foot, but he just has a just has a crack. Yep. Yeah, so I feel does. like he's he's who they are at the moment. Yes, and he got the one vote last week from me in the uh, Adelaide Sydney game. So he has, he's not just a one-week wonder. He's, no. been, he's been good the last few weeks, but he keys. But um, he's a bit indicative of their team at the moment. I think their they're one would is their pressure, Adelaide Crows. They're the best. No, it's not. They're the best. No, pr- their one would is the old bloke at oh, full sorry. forward. He's sorry, their that's their one would. He's back. Texas yeah. back. Apart from Tex, yeah. though, yeah. Um, keeping the ball in their front half has been absolutely amazing. They kicked another three goals, two again from forward 50 yeah. turnover yeah. last night. So that AFL pressure rating number one. So and at your point in North Melbourne before, is that their goal this week? Try to be the AFL pressure rating team for this week. And that's it. Because we it might... doesn't take talent. No, no. We can kick the ball out in the full as much as we like. But, and we're going to pick our team around that too. Because it's easy to say that. But then if you play six outsiders, we're not really telling your team to be a high-pressure team if you're playing outside top players. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about techs, But he's the result. We just, spoke, we just heard from Luke Beveridge. I thought he summed it up beautifully. What we're seeing from the key forwards is an outcome of all the things that are happening up the field. The pace of the play, the man on the mark not being able to move, the aggressive and offensively minded players getting more looks at the game. The modern game, as in the last three weeks, is suited to someone like Tex Walker, a lead-up forward who can thump it from 55. Like a delight to watch. But I like the piece. I think Tom Lynch has been really good. Yeah, he was yep. great in their win against the Cats round one, backed it up against uh, the Sydney Swans last week, even though they lost. All of a sudden, the excitement of moving the football off the line and you've got duck-back leads coming at you. Now, will they go on or continue this pace? Probably not from the Adelaide Crows' perspective, but ride it while you've got it. He Just keep good, riding it. He might, be a good co- he might be a really good coach. They might have got a good coach at the right time. Well, you know, who knows? Wait and see, but he, he might be a bit to Well, like the Crows have got the Kangas next week in Melbourne. Mm. 
you'd assume sitting here right now they get that. They'll go to three and one. It's not a bad position to be in off the back of what they did last year. Yeah, and anyone who did see the documentary, I know it's your favourite show, Andy. No, Lake, no, Lake I'm, just, I'm, I'm probably, I'm probably draw, drawing too many conclusions from it, to be honest. But, but it, it did show some insights into coaches' behaviours and what they actually think is important. Mm, and and yep. there was the big one where Matty Nix and Crouchy said, if you don't want to defend, pack, your, pack bag, your bags yep. and leave. Well, none of them's packing their bags. They're all defending. So <laughs> yeah. there's nobody walking out the door at the moment. But that was a look, good little insight as to his philosophy as a coach. Yes, you have to be a little bit more sophisticated than that to, be, to win a flag, but it's a great starting point mm. for any team. Just on tech, so I get the mechanical side of it, and there's, there's truth to that. But there's also the, um, the intangible side of it. So he personified the rise of the Crows. He was voted numerous times as the competition's best captain. He was imp- an imposing figure. They get pilloried for the power stands. That was him. Yep. That was him, yep. and they started favourites on grand final day. And then they collapsed, and so did he. He was diminished to a, a shell of what he had been across his career to the point where he wasn't being tiptoed out of the game. He was being marched out of the game, presuming that there was just nothing left, whether the circumstances had broken him. It's, he is now infused by what he always was, is after three years of running running right down, that's Tex. He, the way that he presents... <laughs> <laughs> the way that he menaces, <laughs> like he's got, he always had something about him, and it was, it was lost. Yeah, and I'm so thrilled, and I, I've reveled in it each week. I'm so, th- I feel like we have a bit of an emotional stake with Tex. Mm. It's back in him, mm. and thus it's back in the team. The presence and the swagger, like that, that camera was on him walking to the Ford Fifty at the, at the start of the game. I think this may be, he walks different. He's, the chest is out again, a little bit of presence saying, hey, the ball's going to be coming to me 20 times in the forward line. You're going to have to try and do something to stop it. I'm with you, Jerry. It's funny how you attach yourself to clubs and plays that aren't your own, but I'm with you. It's, it's a good feeling when you've got a key forward with presence, and he's done that. He had four inside 50 tackles last week for holding the ball. Four. Yep. What about the mark? From a key took, forward. Mark last night when he thrust his arms back, he sort of and, ha- and pushed back into Charlie Ballard and then... The other bloke, I don't know who it was, came across the front of him. He didn't jump. He just pushed back and created that. And then the arms just rose and he, he clunked the thing. It was, it was so powerful. Like, it was incredibly strong. Who knows what he took in not only the collapse after the grand final, but you know, the camp and the loss, the, the fracturing of friendships and the conversations that have been had and haven't been had yet and maybe will be had about all of that down the track. Who knows how that damaged him? And yeah. So I had a hunch that he would never be this player again at the Crows. And I'd sort of openly pondered, should he go somewhere else? Because I thought he probably still had a bit left to give, but it wouldn't be at the Crows, which is all the more... It sort of makes me all the more um, invested in that he, he has re-established it at Adelaide. I think everyone's cleansed from their camp now, though, haven't they? I think that's officially behind the whole yeah. club. And, and that emotional baggage can stay with you on the field a little bit. But one thing I'm loving about the Crows is not just Tex, but Rory Sloan again back to his mm. best. He had nine contested possessions. So getting back to North Melbourne, we hate, but this is where their leaders need to take a little bit out of Rory, a little bit out of Tex, and say, we're the older ones. We have to show the younger ones what to do. And I think the Crows are doing that well, so the younger players can just do their thing. You know what else I loved about the game yesterday? And it'll go against all the coaching things. McHenry took that advantage with about 90 seconds to go, two minutes to go, and just dribbled one through from 45. And I'm watching, I'm going, no, don't do it, don't do it. That's what kids do. 
Kids pick yeah. up the football because they get excited off the back of a free kick and just play the game like they are, like they are a kid. And he's got a bit of spunk about it. Yeah, there's a couple of that don't mind kicking a goal. No, him, I, I like that. Not yeah. a lot of coaches will love it. I thought this is good. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's why they call them schoolboy errors yeah. when they don't come off. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. when, when they do come off, we call it better yeah. kick them. Yeah. You better yeah. kick it. The uh, next uh, chapter of our Easter <laughs> weekend is the MCG this Saturday afternoon. It's Richmond against the Sydney Swans, who have thrilled and delighted through the first couple of rounds of the season. Their chairman is Andrew Pridham. Andrew, great to have you on Crunch Time. Jared, delighted. Have you enjoyed the first couple of weeks? Uh, winning beats losing, so yes, it's been, <laughs> it's been great. It's been great just been watching attacking footy and lots of goals scored. So uh, it's been it's been terrific. It, would you have imagined that that's what was going to happen to kick the sweep the first two rounds? Uh, you've got a dream big, Jared. <laughs> I think we uh, we were quietly confident that we're on the improve. So you never quite know when you play round one, as you as you know. It's uh, it's always a bit of a, a lottery, but no, we're we're on on track to improve, and that's really what we're focusing on. What does style count for, Andrew? As this hasn't been the mode of the Swans for a while, but it's absolutely intoxicating for everybody watching. Yeah, look, it's exciting to just to see the attacking game today, and I think the obviously the standing on the mark rule has had a, a big impact. But don't underestimate um, game style that any club has. Um, the correlation between the game style and the and the players they have on their list, and I think that's that's really our list has changed dramatically over the last few years, and, and I think you're seeing the uh, the fruits of that now. So, what are your conversations been like with with your coach around uh, around the demographic and the style coming into this season? Uh, I listen. I... Yes. <laughs> I listen. John tells me what he's doing, and as long as it works, <laughs> I'm happy. So. Uh, it's pretty simple. Uh, look, no, there's, there's, there's not. There's certainly no directives as to to style. It's, I mean, at the end of the day, our focus is on on improving and and hopefully on winning. I mean, that's that's really the the objective. And if if that if that uh, is accompanied by exciting footy, that's that's fantastic. And that's obviously what we all want. And Andrew, it's Andy Mahi. Good luck to your team today. We, we just had Luke Beveridge on before, and he was referencing, you know, directives from. You know, the AFL and, and uh, broadcasters and, and the way they want the game to be played and the me- mechanisms that have been put into place over the last couple of years to bring that about. When you have your meetings do, do you with the AFL, do you take any of that back if that's put to you? Do you take any of that back to John and, and relay that to him? Oh, we obviously talk about it, but at the, at the end of the day, it's John's role to... You know, put on the on the field a competitive team that that's capable of winning, and uh, that's really a decision for him how they you know the, the game style hit him and his fellow coaches. Um, that's not that's not something that uh, as chairman I get involved in. And you know I think that whilst it's great seeing attacking footy, and I think it is here to stay um, with with the, some of the rule changes. Um, you know I think ultimately the club our focus is on winning. Andrew, do you get a feel? almost from year to year from a chairman's perspective about the perception of the Swans. I was up there on the weekend. Buddy's back. The conversations I was walking into the ground was just optimism and excitement. Yet you've got all these young kids coming through. Do you get a feel of that year on year almost or even maybe week to week from your supporter base about what they're seeing on field and how that reflects on your footy club? Look, you you do. And Sydney loves a winner. I guess everywhere loves a winner, but 
nowhere more than Sydney and uh, at the game last week against the Crows um, I mean there were, there were more celebrities at the game than in the SEN uh, commentary box <laughs> so it was, the, the excitement is 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 real and uh, you know I think that you can you can you can, you can certainly feel it and the, and the media coverage has been um, very positive and, and it is exciting but we're also you know very aware that we've played uh, eight quarters of football, so it's a it's a very small sample in, in what is always a, a long season. Andrew Justin Lepich here. Just uh, I'm really intrigued in a lot of discussion here today about list management and North Melbourne at the moment, how long they've got to go. And I guess we're looking at the Swans at the start of the year, thinking this probably wasn't the year. In the board meetings you have, or when Tom Haley's presented to, to you throughout the uh, the football component of it, has has this been the year, or has has this come a little early? You think for Swans fans? I think we've been we've been building towards it. I mean, a number of things. I mean, last year we you know we were regularly either the youngest or second youngest um, team on playing in the competition. So we knew that we had a you know a young list that was going to take time to develop. And I I always think that success. I've been around for a fair while now. Success of teams. I always think part of the equation is can the can the young kids improve at a rate faster than the the, the veterans um, go the other way, and you know, I think if you can meet in the middle where you've got the the, the young kids really developing quickly, and, and you've got that balance of you know hardened, experienced players, senior players, I think that's that's really the sweet spot. And um, with you know last year also, I think last couple of years we've we've had a lot of injuries, and that's been a major focus for us and concern. And this year, um, you know, touch wood, we've been relatively you know, injury free. So I think if it you put things together off field. Uh, the coaching panel, the, I think the introduction of Don Pike um, has been fantastic. Ben Matthews, another one. So uh, it, it's a very the, the Sydney Swans club is a very happy place at the moment, and I, I think that's being reflected on the field. Andrew Pridham is the Swans chairman. Andrew, late last year you introduced the notion of an independent re- uh, review of the AFL. Is the AFL taking that seriously or keeping you at arm's length on it? Well, I think the answer to both of those questions would be yes. Um, they're taking it seriously and they're, and they're trying to keep me at arm's length. Um, look, no, I think it, it's natural that people are, are cautious about being, you know, having what they do being reviewed. Um, I do feel strongly about it. I think that uh, it's been 30 years since the Crawford review and, and a, a lot has changed in the world, a lot has changed in football. There's enormous challenges that the industry has. Um, and I think that the, the, the fact that the clubs um, sit back and, and allow the AFL to run the game, I think that's, that's very important that we, we have independence within the AFL. But I also think just from time to time, and I think 30 years is probably you know, long enough gap, I think it is right that the clubs do sit back and say, well, Look, we, you know, we, we give the AFL you know, complete autonomy to, to operate the game and uh, at times it, it, I think it's important to take a step back and just review what's, what's being done. Is it, is it the best um, for the game for the long term? Um, because as, you know, I think the, as a chairman of a, one of the 18 shareholders of the AFL, Sydney Swans, um, I think it's incumbent, incumbent upon us to ensure that uh, we leave the game in a better place uh, when, we're, when we're all finished, and and uh, you know I do think things need to be reviewed. So that's something that it's an ongoing discussion um, whether there, there there is an independent review uh, with a very broad scope, or 
there's a series of, of reviews of key key issues, um, which is probably more likely to be the way it goes. I, I, I think it's very, very important. How much support has your proposal got? And, and probably more specifically, how much support would it need to actually force the AFL's hand? Uh, well, first, I'm certainly not trying to force the AFL's hand. I'm trying to um, point out the, the obvious that it, it's important to review some some key issues in the game, um, and that and that has I think broad support from the majority of clubs. And at the end of the day, if 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 you sort of wanted to get technical and legal on it, which is not the way I, I look at life, um, if you had 50.1% of the clubs, um, so 10 clubs, if 10 clubs said they wanted something to happen, it would happen. Um, now there's been there's been no attempt by me or or anyone really to sort of circle the wagons to to force the AFL's hand. Um, that's not that's not the way I think things should should operate. Um, and there have been very constructive discussions. I've had very constructive discussions with Richard Goiter and and, and Gillen um, and other club uh, presidents about how um, how and what should be reviewed. What would what would be a satisfactory um, move? Do you think what? So you mentioned that the smaller reviews, smaller groups, is what what would what would fulfil the brief in your mind? Oh, look, I think there's there's a whole lot of one of the challenges, um, given the diverse nature of of what is the AFL, um, and that's both at the elite competition level, but also in, in uh, grassroots community football, um, path talent pathways. It's it's a very broad canvas and. I think that some of the things that that need to be looked at, uh, you know, for example, you know, what is the skill composition um, that the AFL Commission should ideally have um, at its disposal? Um, the things such as the the funding of clubs. I mean, we've currently got a situation where 12 of the 18 clubs are, uh, have net debt of 90 million dollars collectively, and and uh, six clubs have 110 million dollars in in cash. So you have a lot of um, uh, a lot of, a big gap between the, the the wealthy clubs and 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 the majority of the clubs who are now in debt. And I think these are things that just need to be considered. Is is how how does the AFL best fund clubs going forward? Um, how do we balance the the economy of football between all of the various stakeholders, players, player managers, clubs, AFL development. Um, you know, these, these are very complex issues, and I think having um, we should be trying to, to get, garner all the resources at our fingertips um, to, to consider what are the best, what is the best model for the next 30 years. Because there's no doubt that the AFL, you know, is the leading uh, sport in Australia, and it's, it's very professionally run. It's been very successful, but that doesn't mean that you can sit back and relax and say, well, there's no need to question what we do because we've we've been successful. That's that's how organisations ultimately fail. Andrew, in simple terms, are you saying it needs to actually almost start again, including all the key stakeholders and people involved in AFL from all different parts of the league? It's almost a start again model to make sure this is more sustainable going forward. Is it as simple? Is that as sort of as simple as it is? Nick, I don't. I don't think it's as. I don't think it's really start again. It's simply um, any any worthwhile review is really looking at at what is the what is the status quo. Um, you know, how does it operate today, and is there a, is there a better way to do it? Um, is you know, c- could things be 
could things be done differently, um, which ultimately could benefit everybody. I mean, a, a simple example you've been talking, I'm sure, a lot in the last in a couple of weeks about the, the rule changes. Well, if we just didn't if we didn't review the rules constantly and say, well, you know, is there a better way? Um, we'd still be playing um, the same rules we had 100 years ago, and, and you know, the game would probably be defunct. And I, you know, living in Sydney, I see that with with sports such as uh, rugby union, where you know that they haven't probably been as progressive as they could have been off the field in in challenging the way in which they did things and and pathways and finance, etc. And you know, you know, as I said, ultimately, any any business or organisation that's happy to just think that the way things have been done in the past is the way that it, it's going to work in the future, well, that's not a pathway to long-term success. Andrew, it's always good to chat. Thanks for putting that forward with us on Crunch Time and good luck for the Swans this afternoon. Pleasure. Good on you, Have Andrew Pridham, the chairman of the Sydney Swans. It's pretty interesting, isn't it? I mean, that's big, that, that is top-end, big-picture, um, you know, uber-executive-level stuff that he's talking about there, but in essence, and it makes complete and utter sense that if you're not reviewing your own practices and you're not inviting people to come in and have a look at the practices that you've established and have them challenged if they need to be, um, you're not you're not doing your job properly. Well, is there you, a suggestion therefore that the that. AFL isn't doing it? They aren't assessing themselves well enough on the is sustainability financially. That was the only question I had for him, and we're running at it, but that was the one. Is this is is this being triggered? Because of something, is he? Is there something that 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 others have seen the way the AFL's running the game that they're not happy with, and it's and it's perhaps a window into a deeper review. It's probably COVID is the trigger, and probably the reset out the back of it. And I guess that every business is facing that same fundamental question: is do you reset the way you were going into COVID, or is this the dynamic move to something new? Yeah, and I think probably one of the um, one of the features coming into this season has been as the AFL, I think for comfort, has tried to reset as much as they can to the 2019 levels. Mm. And in that, there's differing levels of success. I mean, we're, we're hearing so much of the challenges that people are facing just going to the footy and, and ticketing. So that's the, that's the shop window moment and then what it looks like further on and the fixture's been a big part of that and the day grand final has sort of had that feel good, it's all right, everything's going to be fine as opposed to evolving into something out the other side of COVID. And that's, yeah, I think that's probably a decision that a whole lot of companies are facing. We've got the crunch coming up. We haven't quite got to Brisbane and Collingwood either and there was all manner of material involved there. So we'll delve with Nick Del Santo and Justin Lepich on crunch time for the new Navara at Werribee, Western and Footscray. It is the most magnificent Saturday afternoon at the MCG. Bright sunshine. It'll be properly April hot for Richmond and the Sydney Swans. This is Crunch Time. Jared Waitley, Andy Marr, Justin Lepich and Nick Del Santo as we reach the crunch for Bet With Joel, Australia's number one tipping service. Gamble responsibly. one 858 858 The Brisbane Lions. How far-reaching can one kick be? Yeah, well... I've worked out I might barrack for the Lions there, Jerry, because I actually jumped <laughs> up and cheered. So maybe it's my first sign that my 
post-football retirement. <laughs> I'm actually might be a Lions supporter after all, but uh, Zach Bailey, that was unbelievable. And, and we spoke about the difference. You know, last week it's so difficult when you lose a game that you probably should win, and then this way it's probably vice versa. There was a game that they really stole off calling a little bit in the end, but, um, yeah, they'll be pumped from that. The um, I thought the game was a little boring early. It was a little bit slow, a little bit methodical with the ball use. Um, but uh, in the end, it was just a really good uh, effort by Brisbane. And I guess the big talking point to come out of it is this, the, the ruck dominance versus the result of, of Grundy. And, and really, they had no influence over the scores from stoppages and really the game, even for all these dominance. There was so much was spoken about that particular part of the, the ground. So we look at the numbers. 63 to 4 were the hitouts in favour of Collingwood and that going to Grundy. So plus 59. Yet the clearances as a total was plus 5 for the Pies. <laughs> but minus 2 at the centre square bounces. And Bucks knew those questions were coming in his post-match interview. He was a little bit prickly about it and he basically said that there's parts of the game that are overly emphasised or overemphasised, but it's actually what you do with it. Now, I don't know, Jared, if he's getting us on a technicality because I do agree with him in regards to Hitouts don't result in scores, but there's no lying and no mistake that clearances have a huge impact on the on the game. And we touched on this we yesterday. We talked about it yesterday. Andy, yep. And my take on it is, by definition, the hitouts aren't the difference. It's the clearances and the ground position that allow you to do it. Either you score on your first entry, or you set up your defence behind it and have the repeat entries. I think there's an opportunity to be more creative when you've got a point of difference. Grundy. Gorn, Natanui to name three off the top of my head that have dominated the competition in regards to Ruckman and clearance work and hit-out work, you have to get more bang for your buck than to walk away plus five. We saw what they did to the Tigers in that prelim going back three years ago when they dominated the stoppages and therefore got scores and ground position off the back of it. It ultimately won them that game. They go into a grand final. Yeah, and I think also as a coach... With the rucks, there's two things you want. You either want a really dominant ruckman from the taps perspective or someone around the ground that can do some work. But the thing about uh, having a ruckman where you're unsure whether the tap's going to win or not, the, the beauty for Brisbane, they knew they weren't going to win. So it actually suited them because I said, well, we'll just sweat on the back of the Collingwood mids because they know it's going in their area. So it actually makes it easier. You know this, Nick. It actually yep. makes it easier when you know you're going to lose every tap. It's when you're not sure what's going to happen is the, is the real difficulty. I, I think that creates opportunity, and I completely agree, and I've been in that situation, particularly against like an Aaron Sanderlands, where you go and saying, I don't care who our ruckman is today. There is no way that we can physically get our hands on it, so let's be more defensive. And you walk away winning more clearances than you lose. You think, okay, that didn't really make sense, but we'll take it. But what I'm saying to the coaching staff, and this isn't just Grundy. This is the midfield groups. I think sometimes we forget yeah, to speak yeah, yeah, about the yep, midfielders. Yep. But if you know that you're going to get the that your ruckman's going to get the hands on the ball 63 times above his head, you've got to get more out of him that. You can't come to stoppages and still tap it defensive hip, for example. Conservative positions. You've got the luxury to be more creative. Make the opposition doubt themselves because you're right, Lipper. They know where the ball is going 95% of the time. So, so we're calling it our coached on the night in that in that phase of the game. I don't know if it's our coach. One thing I could guarantee you is particularly stoppage coaches, because I would have thought Bucks doesn't run this part of the ground, but I've had many a chat to a stoppage coach when you've had a massively dominant ruckman. Because back 20 years ago when I played Clark Keating, when that was the case, used to smash the thing 20 metres yep. forward. So his advantage was actually the hit at become the clearance. So you'd bypass all those mids. But the problem is all the gun mids don't like being bypassed. They don't like, they don't like hey, 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 there's a possession gone from me every time you do that. So, you know, penals ain't touching the footy if you're not, you know, tapping it in nice and tight. So they get really shirty with it. So, But I, I almost think that's the best strategy in that, in that thing. When you're such a dominant ruckman, get your 30 metres every mm. time and then get the opposition running back to goal. Um, and I ball. know the game has changed. 
But you go back to your time and playing against your midfield, who was the greatest I've ever played against. But we knew what you guys were doing. Yet we couldn't stop it because you were getting 25, 30 metres of yardage every time. We're left behind. Mm. Your half forwards, for example, are proactive coming up at the football, knowing that they don't need it to be a scrubby kick out of the stoppage. It's coming to them on the full from a thump from the big fella. So has Collingwood got the right type of players around Grundy? Are they lacking? It's easy to say they're lacking a ballistic sort of line-breaking. Sec- what They are. <laughs> Because they, Adams, they, they, Adams can do that. Pendlebury's as crafty as they come. So, side so bottom, side as smart as they come. And, and size and big in and under, you know, powerful beast. But that second possession off stoppage, have they got the one that can leave a bloke hanging on his coattails and they can't catch him? Are they built the right way to take advantage of Grundy, around Grundy? Oh, the, now that Trelaw's gone, they don't have that player. And you'd see Dion Presti probably play a similar role, Kane Lambert, for that at Richmond today. The player, what you're talking about, Andy, that gets from that little three-metre circle of contested yeah, position exactly. that breaks from that three-metre exactly. to the, almost the 20-metre. Yep. So you carry, yep. and then that carry gets it to the back of the forward half, which makes it easier for the forwards. But without that, you're only really staying in, in congestion, aren't you? You're not really going there and quick no. kicking. So. Probably with Trelawgon, they don't have as good a quality in that part of the game, but they're still pretty good. They've got some good names, as Nick mentioned. I, I think if you're Brisbane Lions and you're fakes and you've walked away knowing that you have pretty much not touched the football at a clearance, Grundy's had 28 disposals around the ground and clearly, clearly won the contest in regards to the 1v2 Ruckman. Like he hands down wins it. But if you're fakes, you go, well, we won two extra out of the centre square bounds. I'll take that if I'm Brisbane Lions. And only gave up five in total, so three extra around the ground. Yep. Brisbane Lions, we... Rubbing yeah, their heads. Thank you very yep. much. We yep. were so undermanned and so outplayed in that particular part of the ground, yet gave up nothing, really. So was Grundy best on ground? Well, we'd have to be close to. Yeah. <laughs> it's such an interesting... It, is. Imagine it had, is. I guess what we say, imagine if you could have both. You know Grundy is exceptional around the ground, but if you're going to dominate this part of the, the ground as well, being the clearances, why not get everything out of it? Why not just cash in and take the game completely away from... Brisbane Lions. Uh. That, that's the bit I'm saying. I think there's more opportunity to be creative. And if I'm a midfielder, and I know that Grundy's hitting the ball 63 times, beautiful. Be creative. Try every four or five, just try something a little bit different yeah. so you can't just sit in one particular spot and wait for the pies to run into you. Every now and then you get to a game that don't tell me about the process. Just deliver me the result. Is tomorrow for Carlton, don't come Monday yep. if you haven't got the four points. Yep. It is. It is. I... I think they need to beat round six, three and three, but the only way they get to three and three is by beating Fremantle tomorrow. They don't get to three and three if they don't beat Fremantle tomorrow. And uh, this is not to underestimate what Justin Longmuir is doing at Fremantle and what that group is bringing at all, but it's non-negotiable tomorrow for Carlton. 100% 100% Yeah, is. both teams are very similar in their styling too. They're both really good slingshot from D50, but also are getting scored against from that same process. So it's going to be who does that almost best in that game, who can get the ball from their back half, not turn it over through the midfield and actually complete, or is there going to be a mistake somewhere in the middle there? That's going to be the difference for the two teams for me. <sighs> it's a big day for Just them. get a feeling it's almost as important as who's not playing as who is. You know, they both played some okay football in the first couple of rounds, both Port and Frio. I... It's, it's, it's probably per, who executes, who actually is able to be aggressive and take their chances going forward when you've got that momentum within the game and who can minimise the damage on the way back. Are you two, played a lot of, are you two worried about, are you or how worried are you about what Patrick Cripps is putting himself through at the moment just to get out on the ground? It's a bit early in the year, isn't it? That's the yep. main concern. If this was sitting around 16 or 17 and 
they're in a really good space, you, you're probably thinking differently. But this is a long season to go. Yeah. Um, I don't know the depths in, in which he has to go through to actually you know, play the game, whether it requires injections, whether it doesn't, or just a lot of strapping or all that sort of stuff. But only they know. But I'll tell you, doctors will make the best call for the player. Yeah, and the, pl- know, the player's that's... driving this. The player's saying, no, no, I'm not taking the four weeks you're telling me I need. Well, I'm playing. Well, that's so do, the... whatever, do whatever you have yeah. to do to me to get me out there. I think we totaled him last week. Did we say he looked like he was busted up? Battered, he, he was yeah. battered. He, he looked sore. His movements looked sore. And I'm with you, Lepper. At round 16, everybody feels like that. Yeah. And they may look different in the way that they move. He looked like that early on in that game last week. That's far too early in the season. Now, whether it's four weeks, whether it's in his best interest and you take the conversation out of his hands and say, it's a minimum one. Like, if, if this club is to go anywhere where they think it could be, and maybe that's finals, we'll have to wait and see. It, it's got to be a better movement than what we saw from Cripps last week. Yeah, if they're sitting two and zip, what, you think Carlton will do the same thing? That's mm, the question. You know, question. You've got to ask yourself, I'll do the same thing medically if we're two zip up or two zip down. It, it has to be the same answer. I think that, that is such a good point to raise because I think coming into the season, if you said to Carlton, oh, by the way, you're 0-2, there's no way Cripps plays the first two games of the season. Yeah, okay, just yeah, well, get yourself ready for the no big doubt. push in round three no when doubt. you can pick off games. Yep. But that's not that's not how it works. And Lockie Neal's clearly going through the same thing at the Lions. It's, he obliquely told the age that he's battling back concerns and it's not a good scan, but you front up and you do what you can. I'm interested as a coach, What where's your threshold? So there are Warriors. You don't want to take the Warriors out of the game. But is there a moment where you go, hey, I've got to save you from yourself a little bit, even yeah. though these are the formative weeks of the season? And the toughest injuries to carry are the ones that slow you down. So if it is a bit of a back that... It takes you from, from 100% down to 85 or, you know, groins. We often see um, groins, you still feel all right, but it just slows you down. So it takes away that 10% and you just don't become the player you are. Um, so they're the worst ones to carry. If you've got a broken finger and all that sort of stuff and you can still run well, that, that's no excuse. You should sort of, you know, solve The other one that bit. complicates it is obviously is the captain under pressure, but also him being an experienced player. He knows his own body. If this was a younger player, and I won't yep. name anyone yeah, in particular, yep. Yep. it's taken out of their hands. Even if he's a senior player and he's in the best 22 and they say, you know, I'm sore, I'm labouring a little bit, gone. You do not get to have a say in this conversation. Unfortunately, you don't know your body well enough. Cripps may be even complicating it. And because he's so brave and he just doesn't want to give up anything, that hence why he's going to have to work through this. So there, is there a benefit to be got amongst his teammates. Crippers, you know, we all know what he's doing, boys. He's playing hurt, but he's here. Is there, can the coach and the presence and the push-through and the playing hurt, can that have a positive, can that be used for as a positive amongst the rest of his teammates? Yeah, absolutely it can, but you don't want it at the detriment that you play worse. So no, if no there's, maybe there's a way they can put him in another position that lightens the load. Like Dustin Martin, you've seen at times, just play Ford 50 certain games. You know, can he just do that? Because he'd be better off than the other options they've got down mm. there. And it'll help him get through an easier game without the load. But they'll know that internally. But as I said, the worst thing you could do is keep rolling someone out there that's just going to keep producing subpar performances with their body, particularly when they expect themselves to be at a high level. The Chris Scott quarter-time fracas resulted in a $10,000 suspended fine. Um, 
it did feel like the end of it. So I'm now of the belief everything that has been reported has been said. I'm now have no trouble that it all got said. <laughs> I have no doubt now that it, it was all again. Was got it Chris's said. hair? Or something about Chris's hair uh, in there too, wasn't I it? I think it was all in there. You oh, know, that's soft that grand final you day, hair oh, and beards. Oh, that's the hand. You did say that to Chris Fagan. No, no, the amount of stories we've heard, you swear this conversation went for 35 minutes between the playing group and Chris Scott. I've heard that many stories about it, but Jared's it's all true. I, Jared, all we, of it. Do we it's get to the, the bottom of why he was checking his watch? Because that was the bit <laughs> I'm still intrigued about. What was going on there? So, um, <laughs> what would happen... So, the, the press release ends with, there will be ramifications. So, it's the parental... If you do that mm. again, and it, it clearly is an industry-wide warning, if it was to happen again, what would happen? It nearly happened last night at Gold Coast Adelaide. At quarter time, there was there was Walker was saying something to Jew. Something got said last night. There's no you go back and have a look at quarter time. Have a look at the huddle behind the goals footage, there, please. They, there was there was definitely something being said by there was a coming together. They were quite close. Taylor Walker said something to Stewie Jew, and I reckon Stewie Jew did everything in his power to resist turning around and saying something. Well, let's put it to Lepper. Uh, first of all, did you ever know or ever have any conversation about what you could or couldn't do as a senior coach? Uh, yeah, I'd never got myself in that situation. But did you but, know prior? Um, Were you ever told oh, you cannot no, have any no, conversation with no, anyone? No, it was the law of common sense. Yeah, and, okay. and, and, and that's all you really were told. Really, that's that's about it. So, did you ever come close to crossing paths with a player or anything like that? No, no, no. I, no as a player once, I... Ran into a runner, a water carrier. You got to fight with a water carrier. <laughs> you went 25 metres out of your way to get him as well. He put a block on, 50 metres off the ball. What are you doing? And then I went to Richmond as a coach and I met him for the first time, so it was quite funny. Ramifications. Okay, $10,000 suspended fine. We're going to, heavy, is going to be a heavy handed press release we're sending out. Behind the scenes, didn't everybody love it? Don't you reckon the I mean the AFL have to protect the image and we saw an idiot down here on Thursday night jumping over the barrier screaming up pies. He should never he shouldn't be allowed at the footy again, that bloke. You chuck him out. We've got vision, we know who he is, we can find him. So we don't want we, we have to draw along, we have to protect the integrity of, you know, of the game. But what we saw was didn't that just didn't that take our connection and commitment and enthusiasm for that game on that night to a whole new level. Yeah, because it didn't escalate. It, correct. And that the professionals were able correct. to rein it in. But yes. the idea that one coach would yell to the other, well, let's go fight yeah. now, you old so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is one of the... I'm not, a, I'm not always a believer that everything has to be um, viewed through the prism of what it looks like underneath because the elite competition is the elite competition, but this is one of them. Yeah, I, I because get, I get you all can that. imagine what that yep. looks like at the local park. So ramifications and ten thousand yeah. dollars, right? We aren't, so that's that. This is serious. Don't do it. Yep, but boys. <laughs> Which raises if it was to happen again, is with yep. the there will be ramifications. Yep. Yep. What what those ramifications yep. would there should be. also be I mean Chris Scott's copying it as he probably should, but there also needs to be a conversation to players and say, hey, it's quarter time, three-quarter time, half. get to your huddle. Like, you've yeah. just run for 30 minutes, you're yeah. exhausted. I know you've been whacked behind play. It's not in your best interest to go let the opposition coach know how you're tracking as well. Like, <laughs> what's the point of that? Like, that needs to be said as well at some stage. Yeah. Players, get to your respective groups and then we'll move on from there. The yeah. Crunch for Bet with Joel. Transparent results, driven sports tips.
Gamble responsibly, 1-800-858-858. So Easter Saturday, footy at the MCG, Richmond and the Sydney Swans. Lance Franklin hasn't come. We might ping that around a little bit as well. And soon enough, we'll open the lines for you to have your say on all matters footy, what you saw yesterday, what you've seen across the Easter weekend and what is in store. Who needs a river? For Harley Heaven. The Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong, and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. So, the rev up for the Easter weekend, Harley Heaven rev up for Harley Heaven, the home of Harley Davidson, is in the twilight today. It's St Kilda and Essendon. And for the Bombers, this can, this can become a struggle pretty quickly this season. Nick Del Santo, Justin Lepich. Give them the rev up. Set a marker for us, for Essendon this afternoon. Well, well, first of all, I see it hard for them winning. Shields, Caldwell, Draper out of that team, which was already thin, um, you know, and probably filling some gaps and plugging some holes as it was currently standing last week, let alone with a handful of players out of it. I think the Saints will get the job done. I mean, how do you measure it? Is it a margin that we're after? Is it an honourable loss? You know, like, can they sneak over and get the win? I'd like to see them win the, the turnover battle, at least. Because one thing they've got with Blake Carousel there is an elite offensive mm-hmm. coach. Ben Rutten's uh, one wood is his defensive system as well. They, they've got two of the best, and I've worked with both of them, um, structural offensive-defense combination coaches. So, And they haven't been winning the turnover battle. So I just want them to, to at least win that, okay? Win the differential in that to make sure... Because stoppage sometime, it can just be contest to contest, and yep. you lose and you lose. Uh, whereas at least with turnover, it's a little bit about the system and a little bit about how you play. What so. about personnel? How much does personnel play it, when it you're going to do turnover as well? Yeah. well I mean, obviously, you, you have a system, but if someone keeps running in and kicking the ball out in the full, it's not going to help you, is it? So you, your personnel still has to be strong. And I, I still don't think their personnel and their list has been... And it probably hasn't been good for a long while. And, the, and obviously, the saga from six or seven years ago has, yeah. didn't help their list. Can one, of you, can one of you give Peter Wright... The rev up. So you're saying, oh, yeah, you're saying yeah, yeah. Can one of you give Peter yeah. Wright a rev up? Yeah, and he's the one I, I'm going to give you on the rev up on Tuesday, Jared, and on the show because he was the one we knew he was going to play ruck today. Competitiveness is, is his the one thing he has to He improve. has to yeah. give show and that. Even, we were watching the hub last year, and, and every team was playing the Gold Coast Suns in a practice match up there that had spare players left. Um, and he, even in those, he was playing a lot of practice matches, and he just was. He wasn't very competitive even in that environment there. So he's one that it's, it's career-defining for him. I think playing in the ruck is the best thing for him today because it forces yeah, you to compete. Yep, yep. Sometimes as a forward, you can go, no, I won't get this one. I'll get the next one and I'll get the one after. So, you know, this way, at least he just knows I have to just beat this guy. And maybe even highlighted by the Saints of having got their number one and number two ruck no, well, playing as well. So there is an, opportunity, right. there is an opportunity for him to step yep. up. Yep. I'd love to see ball movement as well. If the Bombers are going to be... Anything. I'm not saying necessarily right now. You need to start putting some pieces in place right now to say, hey, this is our game style. We're aggressive. We overlap. We run. They've still got some really good ball users and runners in that team. I'd love to see them be aggressive. Not caution to the win where you give up everything on the way back, but just some excitement. Really challenge the Saints who were dreadful defensively last week. You can now give us a ring on the open line. one 736 736 for Southern Phone. Amazing new mobile SIM deals from Southern Phone. So have your say on all the issues of crunch time. North Melbourne yesterday, the style of footy we're seeing. Brisbane after the siren. You can let loose on it. This has been crunch time thanks to the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Stocking the all-new Nissan Navara, built tough.